Hey guys, this is John and Austin, and this is the Meatgistics podcast. We've got a, a what do we call them? VSE? Very special episode going today. We have a Willet Barbecue. Been a while since we did one. What was the last one we did? Snake? Was Snake the yeah. last one? I think Snake was the last yeah. one because it was Duck, or not Duck, uh, Beaver Tail, Snake, and then this. Um, I, I, it's hard to remember anything after the Beaver Tail. That's right. All, that's all I think of when 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 we talk about Willet Barbecue now. Because the problem with the Snake is that we I think we cooked it, so, it almost had like a jerky texture. Mm-hmm. It was so dry that there was no possibility of it tasting truly bad. This, however, is basically a snake. It is basically a snake. We've got some good footage of chopping its head off, no. skinning it, filleting it. No. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got some good footage. I'm I'm not watching what the resulting video of this is then. <laughs> it's that's going to make me puke. <laughs> now, to set your mind at ease a little bit, this has been all the way cooked up to 160 degrees. Because it has to be. Um, you don't want to mess around with undercooked eel, apparently. So it's been cooked up to 160 degrees. It marinated overnight in the Argentinian barbecue marinade. Then I rubbed or sprinkled some uh, St. Louis barbecue rub on it. And then towards the end of its cooking cycle, we drizzled on some Captain Rodney's bouquet. So taste-wise, I'm guessing this is going to be quite good. Now... We have it two different ways here. This I filleted from the side, and this I cut the backbone out uh, a slightly more traditional way. I still think I've found a better way of doing it than how they tell you to do it. I went from the inside instead of the outside and just kind of I let the knife do the work <laughs> and just kind of let it guide me around the... What what concerns me right now is that you said you don't want to mess around when you're when you're eating eel that yeah. could be dangerous and then you're like well I didn't really follow their instructions <laughs> well, I so didn't follow I'm that. nervous that I'm gonna die Get tomorrow. The bone now. out. We made a hundred percent sure that it's up to 106 degrees. Plus, uh, what's actually bad about the eel is the blood. And a this was from a professional and they you know obviously cleaned it before they gutted it and everything. And then B, I soaked it in water overnight. So there's nothing in there that's really going to hurt us, but to be safe, I know sometimes with wild game, you get a little, eh. so we went all the way to 160 degrees. All right, let's cut. You kept saying we a lot in this. <laughs> Patrick doesn't want to be associated I with didn't, this. I didn't touch anything. I just pressed record. So is that accessory? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> oh. You're involved. Oh, come on. I'm You're just involved. the getaway guy. I am legally blind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. So this is a very large piece. No, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I peeled the skin off, but that bottom, okay. You can just kind of peel that little bit off on the bottom. So there's apparently an outer skin, which is like the leather, and then an inner skin. So it's similar to a salmon. Gross. It's similar to salmon. Yeah. Don't be. Fish are pretty, pretty wacko too, you know. Don't be a baby. This is. Yeah, also don't take that whole. Oh, okay. Don't eat that piece. Is this close? You see this? <laughs> What's that? That's the fin. Well, goodness gracious. It's just oh, the fin. am I supposed to eat? There's no uh, bone in that, but it probably isn't going to have a real pleasing texture to it. So yeah, eat that little piece right there. Is eel closer to a snake or a fish? That's an excellent question. Yeah. So, is it technically? It's got to be a fish or a reptile. No, it's technically a fish. You say that with such confidence, and then look off (laughs) into the distance. That's how I do everything. (laughs) You just be confident, and then you think about it. Yeah, yeah. No one's gonna check you here. It smells okay. Okay. Ready? Bottoms up. You guys start. It's just fish. You guys start going nuts. It's not good fish. No, but it's not. It's not bad. No, bad. That's not bad at all. Um, I mean, I don't think it's like a beautiful piece of mahi mahi or something, but uh, yeah, the seasoning we put on it is the, it helping? Yeah, the texture is not not bad at disgusting. all. Disgusting. No, the the flavor's good, and it doesn't it doesn't smell bad. I was worried it might smell too. Oh, it smelled bad yesterday. Oh. Before we soaked it in yeah. brine overnight. It wasn't a lot of prep, too, either. Like, eel, you'd go, oh, I'm intimidated by it. But we, just, we dumped it in. <laughs> Pulling off the skin wasn't, I wouldn't no, say, No, no. I've had, well, I mean, like, what was, I pull, pulling, like, 
skin off of ribs or something. I have just as hard trouble if you don't have a paper towel or something. But like the but the big pieces did come off yep. pretty smooth. You That's weren't sitting fair. there picking and picking. Nope. And then as far as like filleting something in this room, that went pretty smooth. So compared to how other fillets have gone, <laughs> yes. All right. So will a barbecue? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. My only reason not to is you still have me scared about eating eel right now. But because <laughs> the blood thing? Yeah. Oh yeah, no. We took care of all that. Okay. You just, all, you're all good. It, you, you're not calming the anxiety at all. <laughs> but I will say, if you hadn't have told me that, I would probably eat a lot more of it. It's 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 decent, and I haven't ate lunch today, so I'm hungry. <laughs> well, feel free to have as much as you want because there is nothing dangerous about it. As you can see, I ate all of my piece. <laughs> and going back for more. Um, I don't know that I would be as confident like if, you know, Bob was like, hey, I caught some eel down at the river. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be as confident as that. I got this from Wild Fork, so I'm assuming they know their business. Um, that's also where we got the snake and the beaver tail. Now, points off for the beaver tail there. But I feel like people are probably disappointed when these go well. So I feel like we have to reach a little bit further out there. No, what, no, no. What is your thought process it's, on um, getting some blowfish? I don't know. Is there a danger to eating? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then, oh, oh no. Yes. no. No, very, very high danger. <laughs> no. In Japan, you have to study for like 10 years before they'll let you prepare blowfish for consumption. Yep. Yeah, we're not. No. We could. No. And the portion size it's you get is so small. Very small. You just paralyze. It is It is okay Ooh. to have a good Willow barbecue every now and then. What's your favorite Will barbecue did, like from a good standpoint? Oh, from a good standpoint? Uh, I know mine. Well, I did pizza before you were around, so. Yeah, but didn't you just take a frozen I, pizza and that's yeah. not... No, I think my favorite, I think, was uh, peach cobbler. Oh, yeah, the peach cobbler. That was really good. I, I definitely say one of the fruits. Like, grilling, barbecuing fruit is amazing. Really, really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't one of those, I don't know. Well, you did a jackfruit, right? Jackfruit was good. That was good, but it wasn't up there with peach cobbler. Um, even the peach rings from the candy one, mm -hmm. that was super good. What else was? Because the only bad ones have been the liquid, the beaver tail. Our best, I mean, our best episodes were the liquids, though. Right. Because we thought they were going to be so we, good, and then they weren't. I don't know. I went back and watched the whiskey one recently, <clears throat> and we had low expectations for that because it had been beaten into us that. But didn't we already do like coffee and beer? Yep. At that point, that was so the tail end of the liquid. We knew we were going to torture ourselves. Now we weren't exactly. Um, whiskey connoisseurs no <laughs> we made that very clear and we had ron burgundy whiskey so it wasn't like we were drinking top shelf it was yeah more of a joke than anything but yeah, else but why ruin something good yeah but i don't know so we we don't have a plan for what's next or can we tease anything oh for what's next with will barbecue yeah um i've got some stuff in there i've got some uh i've got that parrot fish but i feel like that's just going to be good It'll probably be cool because it's going to look very striking. I don't know if you've ever seen a parrotfish, but they're super interesting looking. Um, I've got some duck foie gras. Foie gras. How do you say that? I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think we have another one outside of those planned. Okay. And that's not really like a... Neither one of those is super interesting to me. I'm going to do some research then so I can find something and surprise you on one of these for once. Okay. Yeah, 100% I'm down for that. Um, yeah, I, I, there's nothing I wouldn't eat. It Just don't make it a bowl of mashed potatoes. I was going to say, whatever it is, it's going to have a side of mashed potatoes with it. Did you happen to see Texas Post about uh, the potato harvest? Nope. Uh, it looks like there's going to be a potato sh shortage. Well, that's not good. Well, that's great. No. First good news we've had out of the food industry, and I don't know how long. No. Potatoes are like... Like a top tier food. If I can't get French fries, I will be okay as long as everyone else stops eating mashed potatoes. 
every, like every form of potatoes is delicious. You got, if it's tater tots or hash don't browns like, or, like. or like, uh, yeah, mashed potatoes, baked potatoes, twice baked, loaded. Hate all that. Oh, gratin. Oh, that. The only good potato is a French fry. And it's just like the only good bug is a dead bug. Well, that's true. You've at least got one thing right today. Does anyone get that reference? The no. only good bug is a dead bug? Starship oh, Troopers. from Starship Troopers. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So that's the Willow Barbecue. Uh, I would say yes. Definitely a success. Yes. Um, I kind of want some other people here to, here to try this. But I have the feeling that once it cools. Oh. <laughs> should take that around quickly here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Gross, dude. Nah. Now nah, I'm not going to break the podcast just so that other people can try it. All right. We've got some other food. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, the salami. I'll take care of this. The salami with black truffle. Yeah. And when we were eating it, we were wondering why we were left with a displeasing uh, texture in our mouth. And you brought up that you thought maybe it was because it hadn't been dried enough. So we put... Cut it in half, put half of it in a vac bag, left the other half out. They've been in the fridge since then, so we're going to try those. Okay. And we've got the cheese for uh, palate cleansers if we need it. All right. So this first is the one that has been sitting out without a vacuum bag. That obviously the one I just took out of the vacuum bag has been. Oh, definitely a difference in the feel. For sure. Yeah. Still cuts fairly easily. Still very pungent. Taste is still delicious. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I forgot about that. Next time I'm over at that in that area of town, more? I'm going to go get more. Okay. Now, don't take a bite of that one yet. Because the experiment is, did leaving it out remove that unpleasant film or whatever it was? I'm not getting it as of this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. Okay. Now let's see if a bite of this reverses that and gives us that nasty flavor or nasty texture or whatever it is. Definitely texture difference. Yep, for sure. In fact, I, I much prefer the other one already. Mm-hmm. Which you can you can understand why they do that because they're wanting to sell you water. They only want it as dry as it is has absolutely to be. necessary. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Already, I'm getting that. It's it has it coats yeah. your tongue. It's mainly on my tongue. It's yep. not on the rest of stuff. Nope. That's weird. I don't, I mean, I get it and I don't get it all at the same time. Well, oil, which is what this feels like, shouldn't like dehydrate out of it. So the only thing that should really evaporate out of it would be water. And it's not water that does yeah. that. I don't know. And yeah. It's, it, leaving it out improves the texture, improves the taste. Absolutely. Mm, that is delicious. It's amazing. That is okay. The one that we had in the vac bag is okay with a bad aftertaste. This is just delicious. Mm-hmm. And you can see it's got beautiful fat particles in there. They definitely did a good job processing that. Just should have left it in the dry curing cabinet a little bit longer in my mind. It's all, yeah, it's also a timing aspect too. The amount of time extra you'd have to leave in its dry curing environment yeah it's going to be a lot longer that yeah every 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 extra day is money that was two weeks ago too uh-huh that we did that yeah so you can't just hey to improve it a little we're going to leave it in here so if you if you're at home you buy one of these feel free to take it out of its package put it in your cooler i mean read the label first make sure put it in your refrigerator uh, and leave it there for a while it will continue to uh, dehydrate get out some of that water or whatever it is and vastly improve the product. So, all right. This 
also is from Austin's, uh, what are we calling it? Escapades. A, okay. I was going to call it uh, a shopping splurge. That's not the right word. Shopping. What do you call it when your wife comes home with a bunch of things that you didn't send her out for? Spree. Spree. Oh, yeah. Spending spree. There we go. Good job, Patrick. Uh, this is Tempesta. It's Nuja, which is apostrophe N-D-U-J-A. Yeah, the tight end for the Browns. <laughs> Indique? Yeah. Or Indico? N-D-U-G-A. Induja. And then I've got just some, some hot dog or hamburger buns. So basically. That we can spread it on if we choose. It's kind of greasy. Um, yeah, that casing is basically holding it together. Holding it together. Because right. that is very loose. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it looks and feels like uncooked chorizo you buy in the tubes at the store. Um, that's exactly how it looks and feels. It is pork, spices, sea salt, lactic acid, and a starter culture. So it does. I guess I didn't check, but is it fully cooked? I mean, no, it's got a starter culture in it. Uh, what else does it say on here? Ready to eat. So okay. it's right on there. I think we have to spread it on something, though, because I don't know how else we would really go about eating that. Open your mouth and just squeeze it. Squeeze it in and... like uh, frosting from the... Yeah. Plant. All right. Let's check this out. Oh, yeah. yeah. There we go. This isn't... This isn't what I want. I would just, at well, all. Just, just squeeze the tube on there. There's no sense in cutting the casing off. What do you mean? You don't want the casing. Yeah, I know. But you cut it and now you're fighting the casing around. Just take the tube and squeeze it out onto the Fair brain. point. Fair point. Yeah. Too late now though. <laughs> it doesn't really spread <laughs> doesn't very spread well. well. It's kind of sticking in a all right, that piece will be yours. Yeah, it does not spread. Now, who knows? Maybe we're going to love this. For as dark as it is, it, it doesn't have a strong like scent to it. I mostly smell the bread. Oh, it actually made me salivate. Okay. One, two, three. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. My. Tempesta and... Nduja. How would you say that? It's got to be close. Yeah, Tempesta Nduja. Artisan salami. That's not salami. That is salami. Yeah. That's why it's artisan salami. Made with Berkshire pork. I don't know what that means. So, fancy type of pork. I'm trying to compare it to something. I'm having a little bit of trouble. It's got a little bit of a chorizo. It's kind of spicy like it. chorizo. Mm -hmm. So spicy without being hot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Texture's kind of creepy. Yeah, very creepy. But I mean, it's how far, how much different is it from a spreadable Braunschweiger? Not a ton. Yeah. It's kind of similar. Not exact, but kind of similar. I'd say better than Braunschweiger though. Flavor? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I would say probably the Braunschweiger texture might be a little bit better, but. It might, to be honest, it might have kind of a funky flavor if it wasn't for the spice. That spice that's in there. Yeah. Is kind of overwhelming to the overall flavor. All right, I'm going to try some of it with no bread. It feels like kind of like clay. Yeah. Like we went down to Oklahoma and got some red dirt. and Yeah, it's tasty. That's good. Just all around. Induja. Quite tasty. I like it. All right. Moving on. From the food portion, I know Austin's hungry, so I left you the rest of this. Um, 
like I said, I also have some cheese out here for you, trying to keep you fed. <laughs> you know, not eating is a bad thing, right? No, it's fine. Intermittent fasting. That's fine. But did you have breakfast or anything this morning? No, not today. It's pretty long. I last ate at like three in the morning. Why were you awake at three in the morning? I don't know. Did you wake up to eat? No. Kids wake me up. Or maybe it was after that. I don't know. I woke up at some point in the night for something kid related. And uh, you wake up and it's like, well, I'm here. Might as well grab a couple bites of food. Uh, it just happens. Some, some, sometimes it's some, some days are worse than others. But uh, especially like if I'm having to do something with kids, like I walk across the house and I walk right in front of the refrigerator yeah. and right in front of the pantry. Oh, yeah. And it's hard to just not. You're just like, uh, you're so tired. You have no willpower at no. that point. And you're like, oh, I remember I have this in the fridge. Yes. I'm going to eat that real fast. I have these, uh, they're coconut covered in chocolate bars. Um, I, I don't, I think they're like keto or Atkinson's or something or Atkins, whatever it is. And I will eat those. Like if I wake up or if I go to the bathroom right before I go to bed, I get up out of the, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go get one of those. And it just sets me off to sleep just perfectly. Yeah. I love it. Uh, speaking of kids. Look at these little savages. These are, Lukey sent me these. Wow. Wow. I don't know what cool. that kid's about to take a bite out of, but I'm assuming it's the heart. I'm assuming he's joking. I'm assuming he's joking too, but who knows? But who knows? People do weird things. Yeah. Okay. All right. We got anything else you want to talk about or move right on to meat matters? Let's get into meat matters. Cool. All right. First story of the day, it's how the meat industry is embracing automation from just food. Now, Cargill has recently uh, invested $300 million into plant autom or automation. Um, and Tyson says they've committed to investing $1.3 billion in plant automation over the next three years. So, some of it from reading the article sounds like... Uh, like helping. So they call them cobots, I believe. So it's like it does the manual portion of the job, like the lifting or whatever, and a human actually like, you know, flips oh, it or whatever. Yeah. So that's really interesting. I remember a couple of years ago, we were watching uh, a video of some automation in a big uh, pepperoni processing place. And they had these huge, like 30 foot tall racks that were robot that it would drive itself around the processing floor and bring it from stage to stage to stage. Um, that was really interesting. One of the things about that, uh, it was during the uh, um, dry sausage processing class that we went up, or I went up to at uh, uh, Iowa State. They wouldn't show you, like they couldn't show any identifying things about the plant, like where it was. They were super secret about like, no, we don't want people knowing we have this. So I'm wondering, though, how much longer it's going to be until we start seeing like more and more jobs in the meat processing industry, especially at those big places, just being replaced with a robot. I think I see more and more. It's probably going to be hard to get rid of everything because when you're like actually cutting out like a specific cut of meat from something, I don't know how you would actually automate that entirely. If you did, it would end up being like something like a, like self-driving cars where they've got cameras that are looking at it and identifying yeah. what's this and where to place the knife and cut. And it'd be really, really crazy. I'm sure someday we get there, but not for a very, very, very long time. Most of it's probably just um, the moving of heavy items because right. everything that goes through there is meat. It's heavy. It's Yeah. That's probably where you see most of it for an extended period here is just the movement of product, but not the actual production of it. So what are they doing that for then to, I mean, when you're automating things, you're looking to improve efficiency. So are you looking to hire less people? Are you looking at, so less people, less work when comp? Less, yeah, less people, less work comp. Yeah. Yeah. So work comp's a big one. Uh, people that uh, show up every day. 
I mean, there that. I mean, oh. I guess you, technically uh, a robot or a machine can break down and you have some maintenance time, but one could argue that it'd be more reliable than a person. Absolutely. Especially like through like COVID. How many people were sick, had to stay home in quarantine? Um, well, it's beyond just that. The reason they had to shut down was because they couldn't have people in a tightly confined space. Mm -hmm. Machine doesn't have that you know, transmissible disease. I mean, you can make the argue like a computer virus, but they're not going to catch that just from yeah. proximity. So, yeah. I don't know. It's oh. cool, though. Keep we'll an eye on it, else though. Keeps coming out there. Um, three Florida men arrested in multi-million dollar theft ring of stolen meat across Midwest. So, 45 thefts since June of 2021, so averaging of almost three a month for a total of $9 million. Now, the investigation of the multi-million dollar theft ring began in June after several semi-trailers and loads of frozen beef valued at an estimated million dollars were stolen in Nebraska's Lancaster County. We reported on that when it first happened. Mm -hmm. So they finally caught those That's crazy. What, criminals. That's been a long time. That has been a long time. Now, A, how do you get caught? But B, how did you ever think you were going to like just get away with that? It's not like you're stealing something easily trafficked. Like, why not just go after diamonds? Yeah. I don't know. Probably security, much less at the beef processing plant. Probably. Like, what do you got to do? You got to back up a semi-trailer to a, a cold 18-wheeler uh, trailer and drive off with it. It's probably a lot easier than... Yeah. Stealing it, diamonds. Still, the logistics of it is actually getting that away. What It has to be refrigerated. Where are you hiding it? Right. I mean, it just seems like a lot of work. It does. But if you take it out of the Midwest and get it down to Florida, I mean, those cold storage trailers could easily run and keep it cold all the way down there. And then nobody's looking for it. You're not looking for something stolen or an 18-wheeler stolen in Nebraska down in Florida. Yeah. Although, obviously, they were. Uh, those refrigerated storage trailers, um, they're fairly efficient, I think. I don't know. We have one in the parking lot we use for our high temp cheese. Um, as we get to this time of year, we've had one out there for a month or so. I don't know. It's been a while, but we don't have enough capacity inside the building. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have to have, uh, the reefer trailer sitting out there so we can, uh, warehouse more cheese. And, uh, we fill it once a week with 20, 25 gallons of diesel. That's it. That's it. Yeah. All right. That's, that's really not that much. Um, that's funny that we need the trailer during the cold season. Like we can't just yeah, set I know. it outside. I know. It's just kind of funny. <laughs> it's like in uh, the North Pole they, and in some places of Alaska, they put stuff in the fridge to keep it from freezing. So the fridge actually acts as like almost a heater. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I find it funny. Um, but I also find it very funny that we talked about that a long time ago. All right. Moving on, we've got uh, – this is a mess. I had your brother look at it quickly. The unfolded protein response reverses the effects of glucose on lifespan in chemically sterilized C. elegans. So that's a type of basically like a flatworm. Um but this is by far the most confusing study that I've read to this point. I do not recommend anybody try to go through this. It's quite impenetrable, really. So why? What the heck is this? I have no idea even what this means. So the, the end takeaway, I think, is that a higher glu or glucose-based diet at the end, of, towards the end of the life of they really made it sound like anything can extend the life um so i guess your grandmother always having those candies around she really should just been eating those and nothing else so when you get old start eating sugar and you'll live forever I, it doesn't seem to make any sense to me um but don't take my advice on that if you want to try to read that go to nature.com and look up unfolded protein um, and C elegans, it'll come up and it is, it's a doozy. I mean, the other, the crocodile one I read was simple compared to this one. 
I want to go back to kindergarten. Looking at this, there's just way too many big words. <laughs> it's outside my pay grade. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, the Brat Burger from thetakeout.com, Wisconsin's stroke of grilling genius. We've been doing this forever. Yeah. All they're doing is taking the leftover, well. And making a patty. They're making a patty with a brat. That's my lunch, my whole first That's, year of working here. That's like. We've been doing that for forever. <laughs> so yeah. where's our, well, John, I feel where's like our I've, right? I've now? seen Johnsonville like thick pat, like slices like that where it's like Italian flavor or something like that. Or they're, you know, they're made to look like more sausage patties than it is like uh -huh. something to fit in a bun. So right. I don't know what the hell. This isn't news. Well, this one, they have it like, you know, a more traditional brat wire, brat white why can't i bratwurst got it i wanted to say bratweiler i thought you're gonna say walter white from breaking Bad. i think i was like going on rossweiler rock whatever his name is um anyways rock that that's the one <laughs> uh but they'll you know they'll put onions grilled onions on top of it this one looks to have some sort of avocado as well because nothing could be without avocado anymore but we've been doing this forever and it's delicious like yeah. i really like the Walton's stuffer flusher, the eggs, oh, yeah. they're great, but they do kind of remove <laughs> getting that, Yeah, which I kind of miss a little bit, um, but they go into a, a pretty good description of like how the brat actually came about, what the differences are between them. Um, we, a couple months ago, took two different... Bratwurst, we took the jalapeno popper and another one. I can't remember what it was. And we sauteed them in beer before we cooked them. And, you know, you always hear that, like, oh, that's how, you know, traditionally supposed to do it. And I just always throw them on the grill. But that was, like, significantly better that way. It's just kind of a pain in the butt to do, so I don't do it. But those were some of the best jalapeno popper brats I had. So we simmered them in beer. I think it was, like, up to hundred and 40 and then we finish them up on the grill yeah i mean that i think that holds true in a lot of different things when you cook like doing it the long way is better usually but sometimes you just take the shortcut because of time like still like when i cook like steak i try to take the time and do like a reverse sear but there's times when i'm like i already had i already th thought them out and i'm doing it tonight but i don't have the time and i just i just crank the grill yeah. crank it up to 450 and just put them on there after uh, they've already cooked for about an hour, right? No. Yes. Just right don't away. Do, I don't do it often, but yeah. sometimes I'm. it's just like, right. I know it's not going to be as good, but it's still going to be better than some sort of broccoli casserole yeah, or something. Well, I mean, let's like, not uh, be ridiculous. Of course it's going to be. There <laughs> was never a chance of any broccoli casserole beating even a bad steak. You don't like casseroles, do you? I hate That's another thing you're like, yeah, totally. Yeah, passion. But I have a different reason for that. that well, I, I feel like a lot of guys. More. I feel like a lot of guys that grew up in the '80s. Um, not saying that that it was you, but I'm pretty sure, right? Early '90s, '80s. Yeah. 80s. I feel like every movie, television show, it's just like the mom's making a casserole. So I just feel like it gets a bad rap growing up, especially. So is that what do you think? True or false? Uh, I mean, my mom didn't make a lot of casseroles. Uh, my specific hate for it is when my dad died. Everybody what a and their mother mm -hmm. brought a casserole. Oh, okay. And I was just like, this is what I'm eating for the next couple of weeks. I hate this. <laughs> it's just such so as for my cast. Don't bring up casseroles. Reminds John of his, of his father who passed. That's, ter <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> you win. <laughs> uh, so this one doesn't apply to us over here, but it's from Food Safety News. Uh, the FSA may strike over pay. Uh, and... So over in Europe, but it's been in the last couple of years, things that start either over there in Canada tend to work their way down to well, our workforces. Yeah. And even if it doesn't in that aspect, everything's a global market that if, if prices go up in one area because of something that's going on, it's going to go up in other areas. So if that causes prices to go up over there or there's inspectors not available to process meat, they're going to get meat from somewhere. People aren't just going to stop eating meat. So then if they're importing more, then it's going to make prices go up because of demand. So. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say this ha shouldn't have any effect on us, but sh sort yourself out, Europe. If you increase my steak prices even more. I've got Saturday and uh, Friday, we have friends coming over and I'm going to cook steaks both nights. Price of steak is ridiculous again. I don't believe that it's 
come back down. Mm, I no. really don't. And I've given up on buying steaks at the grocery store. Like just not doing it anymore. It's just it's not worth it. Like it's a tough product no matter how you cook it. It lacks the flavor of just like 2 months ago. I think I'm assuming that it's those early slaughter cattle that got in that just weren't really ready for slaughter. They weren't fattened up. They weren't maybe maybe they weren't aged as long. Where are you buying from right now then? Uh either a local place or Sam's. So Sam's is just easy and they're way better steaks than at the grocery store. I mean they it's a grocery store as well, but yeah. Huh. All right. Uh this is stupid and the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I spent 45 minutes looking up the race um, rules for Lieutenant Governor of Texas because the headline is Mike Collier wants Texans to give up red meat. Good luck with that. That's, that was my whole take. I had this whole thing ready and I was looking up. The article is so stupidly phrased. They're not talking about red meat, red meat. They're talking about like right wing politics. What? It drove me up a wall. Really? I looked for all sorts of like through the entire article. I'm like, all right, when are they talking about meat? When are they talking about meat? And then finally towards the end, it brings that. I'm like, you rat. Had I read the whole article first before going and looking in? Because I guess I don't think of Lieutenant Governor as a elected official. Isn't it that, is in some states. It is. Isn't, isn't, it isn't that like a others. vice president type of thing? In some states it is. It's appointed. In other states it's elected. Um, but do better. There was some far left. Uh, what was the name of the Texas Observer? So it was annoying. Yeah. Only reason I bring it up. All right. American chefs reveal 86% are interested in serving cultivated meat, survey says. This is from Quality Assurance Mag. So take that for whatever it's worth. Um, but I grew up with somebody who is now a very successful chef, owns a couple restaurants in Denver. My dad was a great chef. My older cousin was amazing cook. Um, I'm not surprised by this at all. Chefs love working with new proteins, no <coughs> new ingredients. Um, so that doesn't surprise me that they would be excited to see what they can do with, you know, cultured meat, lab grown meat, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. So is that what that reference is? Lab grown meat? Yep. Okay. That's yeah, interesting. I, I can see that being where maybe that gets kickstarted is restaurants and chefs because it'll start out as more of a uh, niche, yeah, treat like high end, yeah. So the end. exact opposite of like what Huxley thought we were going to be having, where the actual meat would be reserved for like the very highest. And everyone else would be eating like lab grown. This would be the exact opposite of that. Where you'd have to go to a place to get this. At least to start because right now, I mean, it's going to be so much more expensive, right? I, One would think Is it so. actually in market anywhere? I don't oh, think so. No, I don't think it's technically in market. But by the time, I mean, it probably isn't just because they've proven they can do it. But- it's got to be insanely expensive. That's why it's not to market. It takes a while for people to research and figure out how to produce it at scale in a way that uh, is profitable for the average person. But they could get to a point where, yeah, it is mass producible. And then you stop, you flip things. You stop having as many cows. Um, you don't do any slaughter. And then that becomes such a such a low supply yeah. that that becomes the the high end thing. Yeah, see I see all of that as like a vanity project. And I think once everybody we stop just dumping printing money and pumping it into the economy, all that stuff's going to dry up and go away. I really do. I don't think that has legs under it. Yeah. Um but from the article it says reflective of US dining habits the type of cultivated meat chefs are most interested in trying is, and this got all messed up. Um, can you read that from the OneNote? My text ran over itself somehow. I don't know how that happened. Oh, got it. All right. Reflective U.S. dining habits, the type of cultivated meat chefs are most interested in trying is poultry, with 51% indicating they would be interested in tasting it. 
while the remaining choices of beef, exotic meats, seafood, and pork were pretty evenly split from 38 to 35%. Why do you think chicken is the number one? I don't know. Um, Because my, my first thought is always beef. For some right. reason, that's what I go to. But on the other hand, lab-grown beef might be harder because you've got lean, fat, that mixture, how it looks. Chicken just looks like chicken. Probably yeah. easier to make that fit into stuff. And I feel like if you're probably talking nationwide, poultry probably would have a bigger audience, bigger pull. Yeah. But like in our area, I'd say beef. So I was thinking, could it have something to do with cross contamination and not really having to worry about that? So you always have to be super careful in the kitchen not to cross contaminate with anything with chicken. Yeah. So it could be that. Do you, do you remove all of that if you have lab-grown meat? You no longer have E. coli concerns. Get, yeah, I Would you have listeria concerns? I wouldn't imagine. I would think that if it's all done in a sanitary environment. Boy, that's a big advantage that we hadn't really thought of until this point. Yeah. Be interesting. It would be interesting. I've always wanted to eat raw chicken. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Got I've excited there for a second. I've actually ate raw chicken on accident before. Uh, like raw, raw? Oh, raw, raw. How'd this happen? Um, I might have been <laughs> drinking too much. Oh. But, <laughs> no way. Uh, but I, I had I had some Walmart chicken. Okay. Um, they, have the, they have chicken at Walmart that is already breaded, but it's still raw. How they do that, I don't know. Why they do that. It's, I don't know. Is it frozen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was frozen. It's so meant pulled to be deep fried. Yeah, but I looked at it and I'm like, oh, uh, this looks good. I'm uh, I'm just gonna throw it in the microwave to just warm it up a little bit. Put it in the microwave. Yeah, I mean, I got it warm. It was over 100 degrees, but it was not. It was still raw meat on the inside. I started eating it and I'd had enough to drink. This was like 10, 12 years ago. Okay, so not recent. Um, I had enough to drink that I'm just like. This isn't something's not right here. <laughs> and then finally, I yeah, I keep chewing, and I'm 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 swallowing it. I'm eating it. I'm taking more bites. And finally, I stop and I actually look at it, and I'm like, "That's raw." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'm went very, over the sink and made myself puke it all. I'm up. very annoyed that this is the first time we're hearing this story. I feel like that should have been brought up much earlier. Yeah, yeah. that is a great. I well, talk about chicken and raw stuff all the time, and yeah, eating it, and it always comes up. Why were you holding that one in your back pocket? <laughs> I don't know. That's gold. <laughs> Don't always Do you have it. any other incredibly like interesting, amusing stories that are relevant to what we talk about? <laughs> that are relevant? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let, okay. let, let, Think. Let, let my mind just right. kind of dwell on that a little bit. We might bit. have to start a random portion of the podcast that is just your random food stories from out throughout the years. Yeah. I'm sure I have more too, unfortunately. Um, okay, so this says quantitative risk assessment model to investigate the public health impact of varying listeria monocytogens allowable levels in different food commodities, a retrospective analysis. So this is from uh, Science Direct. It's, there's been a big push on listeria the last like five years or so. So there's a couple really interesting things from this article. Um, 90% of US-based listeria things, like incidents, Deli meat. I'm shocked by that. Cured and cooked. Oh, it's poor sanitation practices. That's what it is. That's, I, that's uh, all it your is. Deli. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, my, I, I, I'm almost positive I've talked about this before, but uh, when my wife has been pregnant, she read stuff, uh -huh. saw stuff like that. She's like, I can't eat deli meat. And I'm like, no, we can eat deli meat. I'm like, let's we just we'd be safe about where we're getting it and what we're doing. Like if it's like pre-packaged deli meat, I'm totally hundred percent on board with that. Um, I don't think that's an issue. My now, I don't know if sure. My guess is it's mostly coming from when it's sliced at the grocery store. So it's on the slicer on the slicer. Um, they're packaging it there versus the Oscar Meyer or whatever you're getting. That's already sealed. I mean, that is done uh differently right that's done in a plant that is usda inspected and they have a whole process for cooking and uh your your raw and your your post post fab room and like it's all 
separated, but you don't have, I think, those same controls when you're sitting at the the grocery store yep. deli. So, and I've seen the people who slice the meat back there. Like when I was a kid, I thought they knew so much about meat and everything. <laughs> now I see them like you just work here. You don't care. Well, let's be honest. Back in back when you were a kid, yeah. man, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I, to be to be honest, though, things were uh, things were different back then, though. Too, yeah. you didn't have uh, like as many of like the big Walmart deli sections and Dylan's and Kroger and all the other places, there was more smaller shops and more of those places had yep. um, like qualified butchers who actually there. cared. Yeah. Cause yeah. I would go to Parekas and we would get, they had made amazing bread, but they also had like the best roast beef ever. Like, and it would be bloody. Like you can almost not imagine you could like almost see through it. <laughs> it was the best roast beef ever. I don't even yeah. bother buying roast beef like pre-packaged anywhere because it's just it's not even yeah. remotely close to the same the skin always like does that thing where it peels off and you're sitting there like that's the last thing you're chewing on yep. whether it's a sandwich or not yep that's exactly when right. i used to go to albertson's this reminds me of what uh what you're kind of getting at where uh everyone's just way different i thought uh well everyone was so nice but like my mom was in there probably a lot during the week and stuff like that and i used to just go to the deli counter and get a free slice of cheese yep they would do it all the time okay so i just didn't know if this was something that like i thought but like they never batted an eye. So it's just like one of those things like 20 years removed. And I was like, oh, they were probably just being nice to some odd kid who thought Albertsons was the place where you got free cheese. <laughs> <laughs> the cheese kid is back again. The cheese kid. Oh, it's so good. Like, yeah, but, I mean, I can actually kind of just taste it though. Okay. But uh, Listeria prevalence in RTA or RTE products, that's ready to eat products, has reduced, I couldn't make sense of this, 12.4 to 92.7%. I, 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 Saw that number in three different places, so I assume it means something I don't understand. Um, during the last five years in the U.S., how is it that big a range? That's yeah, that's that range is so big. Does it mean anything? Right. So it's got to be maybe depending upon like deli meat versus vegetables versus you know other types of food products. Like it reduced twelve percent in vegetables and ninety two percent in chicken. I don't know. Yeah. It's got to be that. That's all I could come up with. Um, most cases were attributed to deli meats, like we said, followed by salads. So 90% to 5%. But that also is don't eat salads. Just stay oh, safe. Yeah. Don't get listeria. If you're going to eat a salad, eat a meat salad. E. coli is the big one with salads, though. Yeah. Because sprouts. That's the one thing I remember your brother told me when, not when I started working, everybody was talking to me. He's like, we we're talking about another outbreak at Chipotle, and he's like, "Don't ever get the sprouts from anywhere you go." I'm like, "Oh, okay." Um, but it says removing lots with less than one CFU could reduce the number of cases by fifty-five to a hundred percent. A CFU is a colony, colony forming unit. I'm sure you knew that. Um, but does that mean that they're not really testing for this? I mean, my assumption is that every batch and lot out there is not getting tested. How would you? Yeah. You don't think there's somebody who sits at uh, Oscar Mayer, just pick a name out of a hat, and is testing, like pulls a package from every batch and is tested? I'm fairly sure they do. Maybe at the bigger places, yeah. I'm just thinking your average commercial processor meat market or butcher across the country yeah they don't not gonna do it yeah. at the big places they might they're not it's probably just out of uh, a cya thing yeah just so that they prevent a few recalls because a recall Re I mean, it, it, it hurts the big big boys it, it destroy the small guys right but, uh, i don't know so i I don't really talk to him anymore. I was friends friends with a local um, meat processing manager. He was the plant manager for they make bacon and all these things. He was telling me about a time they had to do a nationwide recall because one plant couldn't locate a flashlight. And then no. through something, they determined that it had been dumped into a bat of, I, think, I want to say it was like chili or something. And, wow. So but like they did. They started finding pieces of... I don't know if I had batteries in it or not, that, but know. they started finding pieces of plastic when they like recalled the stuff. So 
pretty interesting. That's insane. Yeah. It always, like, not always, but sometimes stuff like that scares me because, like, I remember when I was a kid, there was, like, a story about someone at Wendy's got chili and they got a finger. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, every- <laughs> wait, wait. The Wendy's by my house had, like, a syringe in something. So. Really? Yeah, like, two years ago. So, I've got one. Uh, up in New York, there was a, it was a major chain. It was, like, a TGI Fridays or something like that. In a salad that they served to a lady, snake head. Oh. Like an actual head of a snake in the salad. So it just got chopped with yeah. the rest of the vegetables at wherever they get their salad from. They put it on the thing and she's eating and just obviously screams bloody murder. Go over and there's a snake's head in Dude, its salad. I would love that. I'd get oh, it's You'd be so free hard. for life. I'm free for Yeah, I'm. I'm owning an island after that. <laughs> no, you get free food there or something for life. No, I don't you, think you're going to get much for. Yeah, you're getting a big settlement for sure. For having. You're you're not thinking of it like a lawyer would. It's emotional damage right yeah, there. Yeah, you're not uh, even thinking. Well if, I had, well, if I had distress afterwards and stuff and I couldn't even bring myself to eat food and stuff, that's a thing. But then like your food's not safe. What if it was a venomous snake? Like there's a million other things. You're going to make some money. You know, the lady that scalded herself with her own coffee from mcdonald's got paid out so it's just like common sense isn't always there in the eyes of the law so there's more to that story though the scalding of mcdonald's i can't remember what it is right now but we'll talk about it in a future thing when you look up and yes. get all the information after i remember yeah. what it is um and by remember i mean google yeah uh so why buy your meat from a csa so a csa is a community supported agriculture um, this is from Paste Magazine. Uh, we brought this up a few times, but I really do think it's the future of how most or a lot of people are going to get their their meat and maybe even their produce. Um, but smaller local level stuff instead of these crazy huge companies, um, I think you're already starting to see a, a push for it. And I think it's going to grow. I think it'll probably separate. I think the people who can afford to do it will start doing that more almost exclusively. And people who can't will continue to get reduced options at the grocery store. Um, but it's better quality, animal and environmental welfare. Um, more custom, hard to find cuts like hanger steaks. When's the last time you saw a hanger steak in a Dillon's? You don't. Never. Yeah. Right. Um, knowing where your food came from. It's like uh, Kurt Ratzliff says, talk to the man with blood on his hands and supporting of small business. So, I'm running away from my guy if he's got blood on his hands. <laughs> hey, excuse me, sir. <laughs> Can I talk to you for a minute? No. It all depends on, you know. Location, location, exactly. location. If you're <laughs> in a creepy house at the middle of the night, then you run. If the, you're at a butcher's, it's the only place. you're probably okay. I think it's the only place. Um, all right. Beyond Meat rolls out steak at Kroger and Walmart. Uh, so they're rolling out steak tips at a bunch of them. It, it was like a couple thousand. But the new product made with fava beans... Yes. You get that one? Yeah. Patrick? And a nice Chianti. And a nice Chianti. Um, and wheat gluten aims to deliver juicy, tender, and delicious bite of seared steak tips. It's got 21 grams of protein per serving and zero milligrams of cholesterol, according to Beyond Meat. We've talked about it in the past, but the dietary cholesterol that you intake has absolutely zero to do with uh, the cholesterol in your blood. That is all hereditary and stress. Um, in fact, cholesterol is unbelievably important dietary. Um, it is the building block of basically everything. So the fact that it has no cholesterol is not a mark in its favor. The uh, big other thing intriguing about Kroger, totally like nothing in this, sure. but saw somewhat recently Kroger's buying, is it Albertsons? Yes. So we have this as a a note from last month's podcast. Um, it's two, or last week's podcast, $24.6 billion Kroger Albertson merger. Um, now. Oh, did you talk about that when I was gone? No, because okay. we wanted your take on it because it seemed like it would have more smart people things <laughs> that I w- probably wouldn't understand or care to know, but we should probably shelve it for like next week while we, dive into it a little bit more yeah to read into it yeah the only comment is i think i think it's gonna yeah have a have a pretty good impact on things we'll see where that goes what do you think for an impact well let's let's dive into it next okay sounds good um 
So meat slicers and grinders market size share and forecast through 2028. Mm. So whatever, this is uh, interesting look kind of behind the scenes. Uh, worldwide market for grinders and slicers was billions in 2022 and is expected to increase, I mean, many fold to uh, 2028. Now, since it's a world market, I'm really not all that surprised by the billions, but look at that graph and see what their expected increase is between 2022 and 2028. Is that fourfold, threefold? Well, but there's not numbers on there. Right. Because this is one of those, oh, buy our study things. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's stupid. Because I get they, those emails all the time. They could, it depends on what their, uh, what their scale is. What are we, is it, Dollars uh, is it what, like a like a news report graph that looks like it's like spiking up tremendously, but it's just because the scale was at like point one instead of like one two three four. It was point one point two point three, so it looks like it's going up, and it's really actually like flat. Yeah, I don't know. You can kind of follow along from year to year, and the fact that it does jump quite that much kind of takes that away, right? I don't know. I want to know if you have to pay for it. I'm willing to pay for it. I want to see what it is. Don't pay for it. But it's probably one of those garbage studies. I mean, you get those emails all the time, right? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I just ignore them. All right. Red meat and poultry and cold storage sharply higher. So up 19% to end September for beef. An all-time monthly high in September. That's crazy. So maybe, maybe prices will go down. Nope. Nope. I'll bet you this is the tail end of the early slaughter stuff stacking up. Probably. So, I mean, actually, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe <laughs> as demand starts to fall for it, because obviously it is because it's a lower quality product. I was just talking about how I'm not happy with the steaks I'm getting. I'm not willing to pay that amount from that source anymore so maybe it will maybe it will the, the, yeah it would also depend upon the people that have it in storage are they willing to sit on it or do they need to get rid of it and i'm going to guess that most of those people right now don't need the money they're willing to sit on it and prices will stay high and they'll just make more money longer term they'll just have more in stock but that's where it goes in theory in normal times it would lower it, it should in theory lower the price but i bet it doesn't just because the last couple of years um yeah but how long can you been a cash cow in that industry how long can you hold like cold hang beef for it's not infinite is it like hanging beef ready to process or i was kind of just post assuming process? it was yeah post production oh okay that would make way more sense um, that would make way more sense but if it was, yeah, if it was hanging beef ready to process, then yeah, there's only so much they can do. They're going to have to go. I'm betting you're right. Um, so the beef makes sense, but why is pork up 14%? That seems odd to me. No reasons, right? I don't know. 14% up. It says production's been slower. So it's mostly demand. Has pork demand been that low? I don't know why. It's a cheaper it's protein cheap, alternative. Yeah, yeah, it's cheaper than anything else right now, uh -huh. which is strange to say. Nor, I mean, I feel like historically it's always been like chicken. Yeah, Chicken's cheap, no. but it's pork, pork right now. Is as cheap as it gets. Or you could be like me and buy 80 pounds of chicken at a time and not worry about price fluctuation. I just don't buy chicken. I don't know the last time I bought chicken. Um, yeah, I eat... Just between my wife and I, we eat a obscene amount of chicken. The last, like, like bulk, truly offensive. The last bulk anything we bought was was pork, pork loin, turned pork loin into pork chops. Okay. Um, How many pounds did you buy? I don't know. A couple loins. Oh, rookie numbers. <laughs> rookie numbers. I don't have a deep freeze like you do. Well, how do you not have a deep freeze? You have an entire walk-in deep freeze. True. And we're about to build a yes you, you have no deep freeze you have no excuses for not uh i don't know i need one you do yeah okay all right you got anything else nope i've got nothing else go cool. and we just fade
These are the days of our love. <laughs> Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Like sands through the hourglass. Like, comment, and subscribe. Thanks for checking out the Meat Logistics Podcast. To shop everything but the meat, head on over to Waltons.com. To get your meat processing questions answered by experts and enthusiasts alike, head on over to our online community at MeatGistics.com. Waltons, everything but the meat.